Welcome to the Conscious Living Show with your host, Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce, and her husband, Dr. Mark Pierce. The health of your sex life reflects the health of other aspects of your life. While this may not be the only factor, it certainly contributes to the degree you'll enjoy a well-rounded, healthy, happy, sexy life. Now, here is Dr. Nancy and Dr. Mark. Well, good morning. You're listening to the Conscious Living Sexuality Show. Good morning, babe. Good morning, dear. So we have a really interesting topic today because, you know, as you know, uh, I do tend to get politically uh, involved in uh, human sexuality and our rights. And this really kind of fits into the same uh, arena in terms of our sexual rights. We're talking about sex work today. Well, that's interesting. That'll be a little controversial. Yeah. Well, and and it's it seems like it should be controversial, but then when when you really start to break it down, um, I think you might find that the idea of sex work, uh, you'll have a, sh- a perspective shift once you listen to the show. So I really hope that people who even those the people who are avid um, avidly against sex work being decriminalized. Um, I hope they really pause and listen to the show because I have a sp- very special guest today. And this this woman is like one of the, she, I, I'm going to tear up just talking about her because she is probably one of the most loving, kind individuals I've ever met. And she's one of my colleagues. Uh, she's uh, also a mentor. She's um, a clinical sexologist. Um, she is uh, definitely uh, one of the most humane people I've ever met. And it's Dr. Lori Bennett Cook. Uh, she's also a graduate um, of the same institute that I got my doctorate in, the Institute for Advanced. Once, once again, the influence that Ted has helped make yes. trying to to find the legitimate purposes for for these things to make them so that they're legal and that they're accepted. I think that was the, the trail he blazed. No kidding, for and, sure. And, and she's taken that and, and done a lot of good with it, yes. Very much. And she she does a lot of counseling, but her, her background is a lot of hands-on experiential exercises for people that really... Uh, want to achieve a level of sexual function that they desire. She's a researcher. She um, is a speaker. She uh, lives in part-time in Los Angeles, part-time in Salt Lake City. And she's also a pres- the president of a, her nonprofit called Sex Positive Los Angeles and now Sex Positive Utah. And they're really offering a lot of sp- sex positive education and support programs for local communities. Well, as we've talked about before, you can't have enough education. Just being comfortable with the discussion is the first part and probably the most important part of the of education. You know, the details are important, but being comfortable with the discussion, I think, is where we need to get uh, so that everybody's on the same page. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk a lot about how parents can talk to their kids about sex. And yeah. if they're not comfortable talking about it amongst themselves, how are they going to be comfortable talking about so it? So I suspect kids? that she's comfortable talking about sex. She is very comfortable talking about sex. So I'm going to introduce her so we can get this conversation started. So I hope she's on the line. Good morning, Lori. Are you there? Good morning. I am. So good to hear Yay. from you. Yay. I'm so happy to have you here. 
I wish Thank we were sitting you. side Thank by side. So we'll have to me. We'll have to do a do a show when I'm when I'm in LA where we can actually sit in the same room and and have a conversation. Yes. I would love that. So one of the things that I want to address today is uh, sexual rights. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dr. Ted had that board up in the, in the SAR room, which was so impressive, so impressed me when you sat down and looked at human sexual rights. And I know that that was one of your, um, your highlights too, was to really see sex from a human rights perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, for sure. Certainly. Well, I know in, in the practice of medicine, when I was uh, training, we I spent some time at the VA hospital, and and there was very little discussed about anybody's sexual capabilities after severe, you know, military type injuries. So, so it was it wasn't that it was it just wasn't on the radar screen. I, I'm not sure uh, why that happens. Obviously, it's a difficult topic, but. I don't think it was conscious. I think it was more just uh, uh, unconscious neglect, and and this is bringing that back out into the open. I think. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So, so Lori, would you would you like to speak a little bit to your background? Um, I I kind of gave an overview, but it always sounds better coming from the person who's actually had the background. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh gosh, depends on how much you want to know. Uh, so I got okay. my start. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Whatever, whatever you want the, the listeners to, to know to be able to fully understand the breadth of human sexual rights. Mm-hmm. So my personal background is that I am, as you know, a clinical sexologist. I have my doctorate in human sexuality, as you do, undergrad in psychology. Um, I have been working with individuals of all genders, orientations, relationship configurations, on how it would help them become their best sexual self, whatever that looks like. My journey into considering how do I help people get to that place was through my own personal sexual journey, for that matter. I was working at um, a brothel in Nevada. I actually got recruited to work there, and I was married at the time. I had a couple, several children. They were grown, but I was curious to, you know, my own sexualness, I'm not a risk taker. I'm not someone that was going to go out and do hookups and pick people up in bars or anything like that. So I really wanted to kind of figure out what I liked in a really safe environment. A brothel to me seemed like a really safe environment. And after experiencing that, I can tell you that absolutely it was. And it was something that has forever changed me. My experience there was only supposed to last a couple of weeks. But while there... I encountered so many different people and so many different perceptions of what really happens behind closed doors, the things that people are are scared to reveal, the things people are afraid to share. But when they're in a place where they know they can share these things with somebody that isn't going to leave that space and is going to be held with a, a level of reverence, I guess you could say, and respect for the fact that we're all created differently and we all have different things that we want to experience and enjoy. It just changed the way I viewed sexuality in general, changed the way I viewed humanity, changed the way I view how we treat each other regarding our sexuality. 
So I began studying sex on a different level. I was in law school at the time, but I took a sabbatical for that and started studying sexuality and what is it? Why do we have so much shame? Why do we have so many hang-ups? Why is it that people are willing to travel across the country, around the world, spend thousands of dollars to have a sexual experience in this secret place because they're so afraid to share it with a partner that they love or talk about it with friends or anything like that. Um, it was pretty mm-hmm. groundbreaking and, and life-altering for me personally. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, th- those are those are things that I don't believe the average person has ever even pondered, you know, the why Mm-mm. and the why the why they want to hide what they're hiding and why they're afraid and why we even mm-hmm. have the judgments around sexuality. Well, and the effort to have the experience. Uh, right. You know, that that's that impressed me that that uh, it's it's obvious. And yet we don't look at it that way, that they're traveling they're They're having to probably be secret and and um, to have these uh, experiences pretty interesting right well and you you hear people speak to that a lot when they when someone has an affair you know why would you risk your whole relationship for this one sexual experience and they're not asking Mm -hmm. wow that sexual experience must be such a powerful pull (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it, there's Yeah, we don't ask, driving. like, what, what is behind that? We just think, right. you know, like, well, that was a creepy thing to do. You cheated. But, but why? What is, what's that driving force that's causing somebody? What is it that's so powerful that you couldn't communicate that with your partner? Or had you tried to communicate with your partner, why did that break down? What is it, what's happening there that we're not able to completely, uh, shamelessly just share what our wants and desires are with people that we love and care about. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. so in the, in that edu- in the educational period, how long did you end up staying? I ended up staying for a year and <laughs> you know, oh. it was, it was fascinating to me because I went for my own personal, like, Ooh, I'm going to just see what I can explore on my own in a safe environment. And it ended up being, a personal study of humanness in general. Um, yeah, I, st- I stayed for a year and I and I loved it. And then towards the end, it was like, okay, I feel like I have learned what I need to learn here. I've had the experiences that fulfill me, and it was starting to just kind of feel like a job, and that I didn't want to keep working with that mindset because it just didn't feel authentic. I didn't feel like I was actually able to better. To, to, to really serve the people that were coming through the door with that mindset. And and as we, we're, we're going to get ready for a break here in a couple minutes, but one of the things sure. I would like to talk to you about is, because you're, you're there with a bunch of other women, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so there's this, um, there's this perception that women in sex work are, uh, taken advantage of, they're not there because they want to be, they're abused, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that they're being, uh, that it's, it's uh, that they're doing something that is uh, un- under underneath what their capabilities are, you know, it's beneath them. And mm-hmm. so I would like to speak to what you learned 
from all these other mm-hmm. women that you had time to spend with and talk with about their stories. And I mean, your story, is your story really unique or is was your uh, intention more commonly the intention? So kind of ponder those those well, questions certainly was more conscious sure. of the opportunity to learn i think definitely uh, it's it's right out there and yet unless you um, acknowledge or recognize that you you would miss that opportunity to take those mental notes yeah well and how many other mm-hmm. women are going into sex work with the same idea the curiosity about human sexuality rather than feel like they're being enslaved as as society would have us believe so I'll, you know, kind of play devil's yeah. advocate a yeah. little bit, you know, because it, exactly. I mean, we, there's still a lot of judgment around it. And so let's, let's talk about the, let's talk about that. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Dr. Lori Bennett-Cook about sex work in a, in, in healthcare and how maybe we can merge those two and wh- where, where I see this going. And I think Lori would agree. We'll be right back. This is the Conscious Living Sexuality Show. Dr. Nancy Sutton-Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communications specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR. Empower, love, and reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton-Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. Discover, explore, and celebrate your sexy right here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and Mark and I are here talking with Dr. Lori Bennett-Cook about sex work and how this might interface in the healthcare model. So, Lori, we were talking a little bit about your experience in a brothel, and I'm curious mm-hmm. as to what you might have learned from the other women that were present with you. 
That's a really good question. So when I went into this, I was quite naive. I mean, I had have no idea what to expect. All we know is what we're told by others, and of course, those poor women that get into sex work and do these this, these things because they have no other possibility of employment or anything that they could possibly do. Um, the women that I worked with were very, they were educated, they were beautiful, they were all different ages, races, sizes, uh, very articulate, had a really keen ability to read people well and make people feel comfortable. Uh, the talk, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about at a cat house and all those women in the house and the fighting. Personally, I found it to be quite sisterly. I didn't grow up with sisters, but I found it to be just, just pleasant. It was very supportive. If somebody came in that wasn't a fit for one of us, it's no problem to pass them off to somebody else. It was supportive and um, not competitive. It was, it, w- it, was, it was a very unique community in of itself. And I think that, that the reason for that was also because that was the only place where we could safely be around other people, women for that matter, that, that got it, that understood that we weren't in that place because we were oppressed or being exploited in some way. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I could definitely see how that could occur um, mm-hmm. where, where you, you are empowering each other. It was yeah. very empowering. Yeah. It was very empowering, and if you think about, you know, people would talk about, oh, it would take people that do sex work, it takes such low self-esteem and those poor people, and when you are standing before someone and able to put a price on yourself of $1,000, $1,500 for an hour of your time just to spend with them, it takes an awful lot of confidence. I would Even say. if your price is $500, $300, whatever it is, but... To price yourself at whatever you feel your time is worth in any occupation right. takes a level of confidence and an awareness of your ability to do the job right. So, you know, it, it's it's certainly not something that, that you would have low self-esteem about to be able to have to be in that position. Um, and granted, what I did was brothel work, and, and then after leaving there, I did some high-end escort work, but, and that's very different than, than street prostitution, and certainly very different than trafficking. So we're not talking about people that are you know, being pimped or trafficked or something like that. These are women that are consciously choosing to do work as a sex worker and use their body as a vessel for someone else's pleasure and enjoyment. We use our bodies for things all the time, but for some reason when an orgasm is involved, people panic and freak out about it and think, how could you possibly do that? Um, But when a woman is making a conscious choice, a person of any gender is making a conscious choice to use their body, that's not something that we should discount as a valid occupation. Right, right. And and I know that there's been a lot of talk about sex trafficking and and mm-hmm. prostitution and sex work and you know the reality is if we decriminalized sex work there would be a lot less uh, space for trafficking oh for sure for sure because it empowers people, people because that. the way it's set up right now is that we we punish people for we have the, the pleasure police in place which is which <laughs> is terrible 
Because you could go and pay somebody. I could go to somebody's private home and agree to pay them $100 to just massage my body and make me feel really good. Every muscle in my whole body, complete nude massage, please just, you know, take me away. And it's perfectly legal. Right. And if I say, you know what, can I give you an extra 20 bucks if you get me off? That's illegal. Right. So you're allowed to let somebody make you feel good, but you just, it's illegal to allow them to make you feel that good. And I'm not really, I, I personally don't understand how we have the right to do that when it's consenting adults. I don't, I don't either, honestly. I think the, I mean, these, these laws are so old and outdated and um, mm-hmm. are, actually keep women more oppressed than they do mm-hmm. support women's rights to choose. Well, it's a new world, too. We have better treatment for STIs, and we have better birth control and and things that make this uh, a lot more doable than we did just, you know, a few years ago. I, I think that, you know, those were, those were probably some of the issues, but how they try to prevent them is always a little paradoxical, you know. Well, how, well, I personally feel I personally feel that the 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 that the the criminalization of prostitution is probably one of the biggest symbols of misogyny in our in our society, and that being that people don't like to pay for something that they feel entitled to that they should be getting for free. <laughs> exactly. So people will pay for yeah they'll pay for services all over the place. They'll pay for services for their body all over the place, but when it comes to sex, there's this. There's this thought that I should never have to pay for that. Well, I shouldn't have to pay for that. Well, why not? Like, you're paying for someone to service you in some way. Um, why wouldn't you pay for that service? You pay for them to service you to do your, you know, pedicures or give you a massage or cut your hair. Like, why wouldn't you? Exactly. You know, and then there's the, the service, too, of of, of people going out to, it's, it's more acceptable to go to a bar and pick up a random stranger that you have no idea if they've, you know, you have no idea what they're carrying. But if you're carrying a condom, then of course, that's terrible because if you're prepared for sex, then you're expecting it. So you don't want to be prepared <laughs> to prevent an STI from happening, but you can go to a bar and pick up a stranger. But if you go to someone who does this as their profession, that has been tested regularly, that has all the preventative things on hand, then somehow that's wrong. Right. Yeah. It's it. I I often wonder who's making these laws. I can just, you know, you can just see the, the, the people sitting in the rooms making these laws that uh, have have no idea. It's like when the, some of the laws around sexuality are being made, and there, mm-hmm. there is nobody in the room that has any knowledge of human sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're not they're yeah. not asking yeah. people who. who well, and it would be understand. it would be people who feel entitled to it, or people who are intimidated or afraid of it. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not the people actually doing the work or using the services. So I, I see a, di- a kind of a correlation here between the laws around sex work and the laws that are around bo- abortion. And it's, it's really mm-hmm. about body autonomy. And, mm-hmm. and most of it pertains to women. 
but it's but oh, but sure. men, men but men are going to get caught up in that too because if we're going to be criminalizing men who seek it out or men who are in sex work, you know, pe- no, you don't hear mm-hmm. people talking mm-hmm. about all the men in sex work, right? Right, right, and there are plenty of them. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. women mm-hmm. women are women are stepping up and and purchasing what they choose, what they want, and what they need. Mm-hmm. And and it comes back down to our basic sexual rights and and they you know the right to have a satisfying sex life and you know when when we say these things I I'd love to see the little thought bubbles in people's heads because you know that people think well why don't they just have sex with their partner well what if their partner doesn't want to have sex what if they don't have a partner what if they are they they're not they're socially incapable of having a relationship you know mm-hmm. there there's so many variations on why people don't have sex with someone that they are in a relationship with that mm-hmm. now we now we've forbidden them to make an arrangement to have that sexual outlet in a safe healthy and perhaps even therapeutic way so oh, completely. I, we have people that are disabled acutely or chronically. We have people that are elderly or widowed or just socially awkward. People that come from all different kinds of backgrounds that would still like to experience some sexual pleasure. But for some reason, we seem to think that it's only okay in the context of a devoted relationship that lasts over years or a lifetime or whatever. And what if you don't have that? Right. Yeah. Then where do you go? So as you don't as get we, pleasure, as you don't get to have any experiences. Yeah, like like that person has no sexual rights. Well, and and mm-hmm. when they're dealing with the general public, they don't know what the other person's agenda is, especially if it's something impulsive mm-hmm. uh, like the bar and picking somebody up. You don't know, you don't know what their agenda is, and it can get complicated uh, with a pregnancy or an infection or. Or, you know... Or expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some extortion. It can get complicated really quickly. And the thing with sex work is that it is straight up and honest. We're making, like, I know what I want, and you know what you want, and we're talking about it up front. We're communicating up front, honestly, about what it is that we're going to agree to do, the transaction that's taking place, how it's going to happen. That is done. All right, let's go have some fun. Yes. I found I found sex work to be probably the most honest and rewarding work that I have ever done. Hmm. And it's what led me to doing surrogacy. Well, when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk about mm-hmm. the the surrogacy and <laughs> and sex work as as a therapeutic modality mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and and how really all sex work is therapeutic. Um, yeah. But how how it might be used in in a more formalized therapeutic model, and w- okay. where you see that headed, and um, and any um, any experience or any any uh, conflict that you've experienced in that, you know, either personally mm-hmm. or so- societally. Well, I, th- I can see if we even take little baby steps in that direction, there's going to be a slew of regulation. Right, there. right. I mean, look at marijuana. 
Yes. All right. Well, we're getting ready for a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have some more conversation with Dr. Lori Bennett Cook regarding sex work and how this might fit into the healthcare model. This is the Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and we will be right back. Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communication specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR empower love and reawaken dr nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them she focuses on women's health teaching them about their body right to pleasure positive body image and loving acceptance connect with dr nancy sutton pierce at drnsp.com that's drnsp.com when the lights are off that's no reason not to light things up Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Stay tuned in and turned on to a sexual evolution here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Conscious Living <coughs> Sexuality Show. And today we're, t- we're blessed to be talking to one of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Lori Bennett-Cook, about sex work and how that might fit into the therapeutic modality. So, Lori, I'm sure that when you, when you started at the brothel that you probably weren't thinking, oh, this is, this is really therapeutic. It was more about your own kind of sexual quest. How how exactly. quickly how quick, exactly how quickly did it become apparent to you that wow this is this is necessary this is like a therapy for people it became apparent really quickly like I said I was only going to do it just for a couple weeks for my own exploration um, but it was such a safe place not just for my exploration but I could see the effect it had on different people coming through the door that it was. It just intrigued me, and I just wanted to know more, so I ended up staying. Um, you know, people would come in who were at really low places in their life. You know, it's a brothel, granted, sex sells, but so many people that came through the door, and you hear people say this, and they'd be like, yeah, 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 whatever. But it's true, and I can tell you from personal experience, so many people come through the door, they're not seeking sex. They might have a sexual experience, but when it really comes down to it, what they're seeking is a connection and somebody to be really present with them. And that happened more often than not. And that is what led me to do the work that I do today doing surrogate partner therapy. So it was just powerful, powerful work. People would come through that had been recently divorced or widowed or injured or had this thing that they had shame about for years and years and years and just wanted somebody to talk to about it. 
Um, it was powerful. And, and I can see that, you know, because as we know, being in, in, a, in our field of, of sex work and sex therapy, rarely is a problem or a concern a person has really about sex. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it may, and, and that's it, with my clients all the time. They, yeah, and you know that. They seek us out for counseling services because they have a hang-up about something to do with their sexuality, and it almost always points to something else, and that's why the sexuality isn't functioning the way they want it to. Right, and I, as I say in my promo, that I think sex is a barometer, you know, of how mm-hmm. everything else is mm-hmm. working in your life. And, and we use mm-hmm. sex uh, for our own therapy. I mean, it's a self-soothing. It's comforting. It's a, it's a stress mm-hmm. release. It's connecting. So we, you know, some, somewhere along the way, our cultural beliefs put sex in a category separate from our humanness. You're, mm-hmm. you're in a unique position because you were <laughs> at the brothel for a year and it was a, you were both um, studying and providing services there. And, um, mm-hmm. but at the end of a year, you decided to leave. Um, you said, I think you said it was started to feel more like a job uh, rather than mm-hmm. a study, as um, what I'm assuming. Um, do you think that the people at the brothel have enough training to be doing sex work, or did you feel like you needed or wanted more training um, uh, to continue? Because um, they are dealing with people who have uh, issues and problems. Um, and, uh, you know, we have in the medical model, we have psychologists that deal with that on a daily basis. Uh, do those people mm-hmm. need more training to be certified to do sex work? I don't, I don't think so. I think that, you know, granted in any field that you go to, there's going to be people that could use more training. But like I said earlier, the, the women that I worked with were very, just they just had a really keen way about them, how to read other people and what somebody needed. Like anything, there are some people that were just there to just make their money and, and go. Um, but most of the women that I encountered were of course there to make their money because it was their job, but they were also there to provide a service and they wanted the people that left there to leave happier than when they arrived. And if that meant they sat and just talked with them over a glass of wine or if that meant that they threw a party with four other people or if they just hung out in the hot tub for an hour, whatever it was that was going to make that person feel that they had had a really good experience and felt more whole when they left is what the women there were there to provide. That's, that's incredible. And, Mm -hmm. and, and when, you know, when we speak of this, I'm, I feel such compassion for both people doing this work and, and such awe that, Mm -hmm. because you, you really, you really have to be a very loving giving, compassionate person to be in sex work. You have to be. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be to do the work. You can do it in just whatever. But if you want regular clientele and you want to affect people, and the truth is, is every interaction that we have with another person, we do affect them. And, you know, our, our humanness usually drives us to want to leave people better than how we found them. And most people, whether consciously or subconsciously, try to do that. Um, 
it just, it's powerful. It's very powerful. And you're in a position where you could, you could really do harm to somebody if you weren't careful. Yes. As we know, you know, a lot of people have, um, have, uh, sexual healing that they need to have happen from abuse or neglect or, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure at a brothel, many people come in needing that kind of sexual healing. I think they do, but I don't know that they always realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, I encounter that more since leaving the brothel. I've done some pro- professional dominatrix work and in that it's, it's more a therapeutic thing. People have come to me seeking out because they've had abusive past and they want to have an experience that they can have a say in now. So they want to have something that still involves whatever, corporal punishment, let's just say, uh, but they get a say in it. It's not somebody abusing them out of anger or spite or to harm them, but it's, okay, I get to have this experience, there can be love behind it, and I get a say in the direction that it goes. And sometimes they find that that experience is very erotic for them and it's something they continue to enjoy. And other times they need the experience to have a cathartic release and to be able to let go of something and then move forward. Uh, But it's, again, it's powerful work and it's something that has to be done delicately and carefully because you, you have somebody, you know, sex is tactile. Sex in all its ways, whether it's through BDSM or, you know, sex work or in a, in a marriage monogamously, however it is, it's tactile. And we learn by doing and we connect through the touch and through the interaction with another person. And it's just so many of these things to do with sexuality can't be healed just by talking about it or reading a book because these are things that people hold in their bodies and they need to use their bodies to work through them. Mm-hmm. And that and that's where the hands-on work comes. You know, you you have mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. have somebody that can go walk you through it. Right. So the, the so when I do the surrogate partner therapy, mm-hmm. that's that's how that works. And I have a therapist or a, so I have clients that I counsel one on one, and we do traditional therapy that way. But then other clients that I see that require hands-on experience, and they will see their therapist, and I will do touch exercises with them, and then the therapist will oversee it and help them process whatever it is that we've experienced together. So then it's still, you know, a form of sexuality and touch happening, but the therapist is overseeing and able to make sure that the client is able to process things fully and isn't going to be, you know, traumatized in any kind of way, or they're able to move forward with their sexuality in a way that benefits them and fulfills them. And and that's known as the triad, the triadic therapy. Yeah. Is that correct? The, yeah. Yeah. The triad, triad model. It's a triadic model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's called surrogate partner therapy. Many people refer to it as sex surrogacy just because it's, a, but you're a surrogate partner to this other person. It's not just about <clears throat> the sex. It's, it's being a stand in, partner for a person that doesn't have a partner that they can work on their sexuality and do sexual exercises with. And I know that uh, the the surrogacy also in- includes intimacy and communication and like even just how to like pe- people that are so socially shy, how to date, mm-hmm. how to have a conversation, how to ask mm-hmm. somebody out, 
how to how to ask somebody to kiss or you know that all the steps that that not everybody gets that guidance growing up right and we do all of that we'll go on we'll go on dates and when i you know i work with people that have been maybe acutely disabled and now their body doesn't work the way they want to and they want to figure out a way to find pleasure in it or maybe they have transitioned from one gender to the other and they're not sure how to find pleasure with their new anatomy or the way it's reacting to hormones. Or people that are older virgins and by virgin, they might be, I don't know why I have somebody at my door, (laughs) they might be 50, 60 and I'm the first person whose hand they've held. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a whole mirror. There might be somebody who is his widow that's been married for 50 years and is just like, I haven't been with the person we were sexless the last 10 years. I don't know how to do this, and now I want to get out and date. How does that work? And just Mm -hmm. taking them through all the steps and and going on a date and and processing, because you can't, it's just not kind to tell somebody who's having a struggle in any of those areas, just go on Match or OkCupid and just go meet somebody and (laughs) use this other person as a guinea pig. It's just not (laughs) a kind thing to do to another human being, you know? That's, I mean, that's such a good point. And, you know, I don't think when people uh, imagine somebody seeking a sex work or sex surrogacy, that they're envisioning that array of people that you just mentioned, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that they're, they're not seeing, they're not seeing into the intimate lives of others that maybe aren't living the same intimate life that they're living. And, and, uh, right. And, you know, even people even with, if, with, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, even those that are maybe completely full functioning, great job, got a family, you know, whatever they seem, if they just want to just have a sexual experience with somebody with no strings attached, even that, it's, you know, we shouldn't have to contextualize and say, well, okay, sex work is okay because of these conditions. It it should just be okay, period. But the point being that many times it is people in all these different scenarios that we don't think about in their intimate lives and we don't think about how complex it is. It sounds like there should be quite a demand for formal sex work uh, based on all Mm -hmm. of the things that you listed. Yes. All right, it's time for for our last break. So we're going to take a little break and we come back. We'll complete our conversation. And I've got a few other key points I'd like to ponder. So um, this is the Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and we're here with Dr. Lori Bennett-Cook. We're going to take a break. We will be right back. Dr. Nancy Sutton-Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communication specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR. Empower, love, and reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton-Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. Have you checked out the Sexy Lifestyle Network? This is where people who want to know, go. 
It's an online hub of knowledge, experience, products, and services that cater to this active lifestyle. We've got information and education about adults-only resorts, everything for your sexy lifestyle, and, of course, some great talk programs. Join the experts, guests, and unfiltered talk on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Visit thesexylifestyle.com for more information and do unlock the network. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles, and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter, all on thesexylifestyle.com. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and Mark and I are here talking to Dr. Lori about sex work and a therapeutic modality and how really all sex work is therapeutic. It's allowing a person to live their fullest, finest life in a safe and and uh, protected and an arena that they actually can control. You know, a lot of times we go on dates or you, you hook up with somebody on Tinder. <clears throat> you have no idea what's going on in that other person's mind. <clears throat> and whereas with when you connect with a sex worker, you're, you're creating a contract of, of services. And that seems a lot more straightforward and safe to me. So we, we talk and, about... Indeed it is, yeah. We talk about the laws around sexuality and <clears throat> how we have, you know, a very conservative push right now to criminalize uh, things that regard in regards to body autonomy and, and the abortion side of things. And sex work is always seems to have its head on the chopping block of legalization. What are you nervous at all doing this work, Lori? You know, I haven't been um, ever. I've been doing this work on some level or another for a little over 10 years now. And I just, I don't know why I'm not nervous. I just, I don't know. I really, I don't know. I have not ever really been met with criticism for the work that I've done. I'm pretty open about my life and what I do and the different areas of sexuality that I work in. I've been fortunate that I'm, mostly always greeted with curiosity, not criticism. And I believe that that may be in large part just because I just own it, like this is just is, and if somebody has questions, they can ask me. Um, I, I, I don't have any shame in the work that I do. I think that it's important work. I am careful. I'm careful to make sure that, again, I, I work as a surrogate partner therapist now, and, you know, as a side to the regular counseling that I do with people. So I, I am in a realm that's a little protected now. Um, I haven't ever advertised on any of the, the pages that recently got shut down back page or anything like that. I hadn't ever done that. And that was pretty horrible actually that that happened because all that does is just put people more at risk. It was a good tool for sex workers to, for, for, for clients not only to vet sex workers and make sure that they were safe and, and 
places to go to for resources, but it also vetted the clients themselves. So if somebody was a problematic person or somebody was harmful in any way, then the sex workers had a support and a resource that they could look out for each other. Now there really isn't anything in place. That's Mm. scary. Um, I feel that's scary for the sex workers because there's nothing, there really aren't protections in place on any level right now. And all that does is just make trafficking more problematic and more, it's just going to drive it more underground. Um, Taking things away, even simple things like Craigslist away, the casual encounters where people just wanted to just meet to hook up, removing something like that um, is problematic because now where do people go just for hookups except now they have to go to the street and, you know, the police aren't going to help you if you find yourself in a situation that wasn't what you had hoped it would turn out to be. So it's, it's caused more problems than not. But I've been I've been grateful that I have not been in those situations. I also yeah. recognize that I'm pretty privileged too. <clears throat> I'm married and educated. I don't have to resort to being on the street like some people would have to be. Um, and I I have other certifications that permit me to do surrogacy, which is a semi-regulated field also. In our community, a chiropractor was recently investigated, and they actually set him up. They They did a sting. They they did a, you know, they sent somebody in um, who was not really sick. I mean, a, a policeman came in and made up a story about being sick. And then they use that uh, to uh, charge him with practicing without a medical license. And uh, mm-hmm. so there, there are people out there who are, who, whose jobs are to shut down this type of service. Um, and um, I'm glad that you're that you feel protected enough to proceed. You know, there, there are always things in our society that we worry about. I'm. I worry about the recent legalization of marijuana, but it was such a flood of people that were going to to use these uh, types of uh, of drugs or medications, whichever perspective you have, that it was hopeless to mm-hmm. keep it criminalized. Ironically, sex is probably in the same category, but it's so underground, nobody sees the magnitude and the harm being done uh, down at the trafficking level. I mean, we hear about it, but there's no simple solution that anybody's coming up with. And and I think well, we... Unfortunately, we, we hear about it. And, and, oh, I'm sorry, Nancy, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say, we hear about it, but it's so underground, it's really impossible, and it's so big, it's impossible to do anything about it, but we go about punishing those that are doing things consensually and safely, <laughs> just so we're punishing somebody. There, there is huge judgment, <clears throat> huge punitive judgment around sex. You know, we, we find mm-hmm. all kinds of ways to to uh, demonize people for having sex, wanting sex, thinking about sex, looking at sex, you know. And yet, it's the whole reason that we're all here. People kind of forget about that. <laughs> that that's how we, we all got all here. We are all here as a result of an <laughs> orgasm. Exactly. Every single one of us. And you can say and preach religion and say, yes, but sex is between two people who love each other very much. Love and feeling lovey feelings doesn't give you an erection. Nope. Like that <laughs> lust has to be in play. It does. So, I mean, so we have to acknowledge that that's part of our human humanness. 
right. is that we are sexual beings and we have to have a level of lust and be okay with that to procreate, even if it's, you know, done just in a religious manner. Like, it's it's there. It's, it's who we so are. I think from, from your perspective, the, the best pathway would just be uh, straightforward decriminalization of sex work without any uh, mm-hmm. additional requirements or strings atta- attached. I think there's a... Well, it would be like... Speak to the Go difference ahead, between, between decriminalization and legalization. So if it's legalized, it's regulated, and that's right. how it is, like at the brothels in Nevada. It's regulated. We were required to have STI testing once a week. We were required to use condoms for everybody that we, that we had any interaction with. Um, personally, I didn't have an issue with that, and you know, then they collected a portion of pay because everything went towards my room, my board, like everything was taken care of while I was there. And they handled all the billing and everything. It was nice. It was very convenient. Um, but decriminalization, decriminalization allows somebody to be an independent, independent contractor, run their own business, much the way that anybody would independently run any other service that's out there. Uh, so it, it lets people be grown-ups and actually regulate themselves and take care of themselves. One of the biggest things that people say it needs to be re- regulated is because they're worried about STIs and STI... Um, spreading and things like that. Most STIs don't get spread through prostitution right. because catching gonorrhea or syphilis or any other anything is bad for business. Let's just be honest. So I'm going to require my clients to wear a condom not because they might catch something from me, <clears throat> but because I know my status and I get tested frequently and I want to make sure that you're not bringing something to me that's going to hurt my business. So it's, you know, the sex workers are going to re- regulate themselves and take care of themselves because that's, that's their business. That's what they do. Exactly. And we need to trust people to be grown-ups and to take care of themselves. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, consensual adults, that word just needs to keep coming mm-hmm. into people's consciousness, that these are agreements mm-hmm. made by consenting adults for an exchange of time and activity. Mm-hmm. It's really nobody's business <clears throat> what that activity is. <clears throat> you know, you're not, whether it's sitting and having a glass of wine and having a conversation or, you know, having wild monkey sex, it is really Uh is nobody else's business. Well, we have to end the show. I'm always sad to have that happen, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I will have this up on the blog. I will have uh, information about Lori and uh, any contact information that she wants me to share. And I'm also going to have the basic sexual human rights list that was in the institute that Dr. Ted had created for us to remember that sex is a birthright, like pleasure is a birthright. And we need to make sure that we take care of each other and our own health needs, and sex is a part of that. Thank you so much, Lori. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Really, it's a pleasure, and time went by way too fast. I know, I know. Well, we'll talk later. So remember, um, every day you need to uh, laugh more, love harder, and kiss longer. Right, babe? That's right. Right. All right. We love you, Lori. Thank you. Love you, too. Enjoy your day. 
Bye. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. We'll be back next week for more Conscious Living Sexuality. Thank you for joining us this week for the Conscious Living Show. Be sure to join Dr. Nancy, Dr. Mark, and their guests next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Have a healthy, sexy week in every way. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now.